your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 351 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitin in the heart of our nation's capital, Ottawa, Ontario, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood. And today might be the final game day of the 2021 NHL season. The Lightning up 3-0 on the Canadiens, but game four is tonight in Montreal. We'll have a preview of that game, get Pilsy's pick, and we get back to our draft rankings if you've missed any of the countdown so far be sure to go back we have the numbers in each title since we started last monday we're counting down all the way from 75 to number one today on the list we're going 55 through 52 stay tuned because we've got some good ones on today's docket this is the locked on senators podcast your team every day Today is Monday, July 5th, and Pilsy, the Montreal Canadiens are walking dead. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen here, Ross. And look, I am not a Hab supporter, guys, but I think for, for me, there's nothing more sad than a sweep in the Stanley Cup Finals. Like, they, like they, it almost seems like the whole story is reaching a pinnacle point and then it's just a boring ending. It's like when your favorite TV show is amazing and then they just quickly write off an ending and you're like, what the hell is that? That's what it feels like with the, the TV show and the reality TV of Stanley Cup playoffs. Every single round has been full of excitement, upsets left, right, and center, overtimes happening, so much dialogue and so much storylines happening. And then you get to the Stanley Cup finals and the Tampa Bay Lightning are just going to walk away with a 4 nothing clean sweep. I hope not. That's not what the mayor of Tampa Bay wants. I don't know if you heard her speak. Don't know her name, but she says that they should let the Habs win tonight so that the Lightning can clinch the Stanley Cup on home ice is that bulletin board material or what for the Habs the Habs need all the bulletin board material they can get at this point so that's one for them I I feel like that's a weird move as a mayor of a city though because anytime someone makes like a claim like that or has that mentality I feel like it always comes back to bite them but this time I don't think that's going to happen and that what a weird video for the mayor to put out also I think she's just getting a bit ahead of herself after a Super Bowl and a Stanley Cup in the last year. And World Series final, too, with the Rays. Yeah, if it weren't for the computers, they probably would have (laughs) won that as well with Blake Snell getting pulled when he was playing fantastic um, in that series. But, yeah, you look at just the Champa Bay mindset, you could say, and um, that might be it. But that's not the only kind of strange bulletin board material. But Josh Anderson, you see him, he said – we have nothing to lose at this point. So we're all going to be ready. Nothing to lose. This could be a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like you can't play the underdog right now. Can you, you're down three, nothing in the Stanley cup final. I guess what else is he going to say? Does he understand the term nothing to lose? Like if you lose tonight, you've lost it all. <laughs> and your entire season 
is over. So I, I don't know if I really agree with that. If anything, yeah, that's that's a weird statement to make when you're down three nothing in a series in a Stanley Cup final. Did you see him chirping with Pat Maroon in in game uh, three or game two because it was in Tampa Bay? But it was mic'd up. Did you catch that? No, I missed that. So Pat Maroon is saying he's hilarious, by the way, on the ice. He needs to be mic'd up for every game. He's chirping Josh Anderson, who obviously makes seven million dollars. Pat Maroon's on a one year uh, minimum salary. He goes, buddy, you have the same amount of points as me this postseason. <laughs> so he, he got him there. He's like, that's embarrassing, buddy. And then he just walks off the ice. Yeah, congrats on the contract there, Josh, but I can't hear you. I got two consecutive Stanley Cup rings plugged in my ears, and I'm about to get a third one. Great stat coming up there that you just teed me up for. If Pat Maroon and the Tampa Bay Lightning are able to win one of the next four games, seems doable when you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, he will have three Stanley Cups consecutive. But just having three Stanley Cups, that would be more than 21 NHL franchises. It's a 31-team league. No offense to Seattle, but you haven't had an opportunity to win one yet. So that is pretty incredible stuff. Especially for a guy that I feel like kind of got written off a little. Like when he signed that uh, one-year deal in St. Louis, it was considered a hometown deal, right? He only, I think it was like 1.3 million or something like minimal like that. And everyone was like, what, what's he doing signing that deal? Like how did, how did he not get a better deal? But he's obviously picked his places properly. And Hey, the guy's been successful in the, in this new role that he's in. Like no longer is he kind of riding the coattails of McDavid and uh, being a 20 goal scorer on a, on a hot line. He now has his role as a fourth line guy. And Hey, if you think he's not getting in the heads of those Habs players, ask Josh Anderson about that. Yeah. Credit to Pat Maroon. One of the the games, good guys. And and you can really get a, a laugh every time you see him on the ice. Cause he's lumbering around, right? He's not very fast at all, but he's a good hitter and he can score goals too. You saw him, albeit playing with uh, Connor McDavid uh, when he was in Edmonton, I think he hit 20 goals um, during that season, but Hey, the Tampa Bay Lightning, top to bottom, and those little additions, right? We talk about they're over the cap and they have so many stars, but it's those bottom line players they brought in that have really pushed them over the top. Yeah, and Pat Maroon, maybe he doesn't score often, but he does score big goals. Like what last season, didn't oh, he score yeah. an OT winner to send them it to was the cup a, final or something? That was that was against uh, Dallas when he was with St. Louis. That was in 2019. Okay, it was a double overtime game seven goal. Yeah, yeah. So like. Hey, how many of those does Josh Anderson have? Not zero. sure. <laughs> exactly. Zero, zero, zero. Um, so we'll find out uh, what happens tonight. Pilsy will give his pick a little bit later on when we get into our bet online segment. First, let's let's regroup because we mentioned on Friday's show three weeks to the draft. And this year, the calendar's all messed up. We didn't have free agent frenzy on July 1st. So this is what you can expect coming up on the NHL calendar. On July 13th, It's the deadline for asking a player to waive his no-movement clause for the expansion draft. Then, 24 hours after the conclusion of the Stanley Cup final, so this could actually be before July 13th. We'll see how long the Habs, if they can stretch the series out. That's when the first buyout period could begin. And this year might be busier more than ever, right? With the flat cap and teams trying to do gymnastics, trying to get underneath it. And then on July 16th, it's a busy day. It's the last day for teams to place a player on waivers before the expansion draft. There's a trade and waiver freeze at noon 
before July 17th when the trade freeze goes into effect until July 22nd, right before the draft. And that will end at 1 p.m. So 1 p.m. the day before the draft, the trade freeze is over and Seattle is exempt from this trade freeze. They can make deals through that time. That's going to be fun. That's going to be really fun. So there's lots going on. And then Seattle has to submit its expansion draft selections at 10 a.m. on July 21st. So July 21st, Wednesday, two weeks away, is going to be very exciting. The insiders, I'm sure, will have all the picks before they're officially announced. So we'll break those down as they come in here on Locked On Senators and Pillsy. This all leads up to July 23rd. Going to be a hell of a time for the draft. The NHL draft is going to be happening that day. And yeah, I, I'm so fired up. As we get closer and closer to number one in our draft ranking profile, you know that we're just getting more interesting and we're going to learn more about players. And after all those trades and different things that can happen, maybe we see some more draft picks being moved and that just creates even more intrigue. So this year is going to be a great year for an off season. Like you, you don't often get off seasons like this. So I'm fired up. Yeah, new team joining the fold, the flat cap world. There's going to be movement. That much is for sure. And mo- most of that movement will come via trade, but there'll also be free agency, which opens at noon Eastern on July 28th. All right, now that you have all the administrative stuff out of the way, let's get into our draft profiles, but let's power up before we get over there and grab a built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and it comes in 16 amazing flavors as well. We always recommend going to BuiltBar.com and getting the mixed box. You'll never get tired of same old, same old. I find that just getting a normal package of protein bars, by the time the pack is over, you're like, I don't want any more of these. Not with Built Bar because they keep it fresh and exciting every single day. You can reach into your mixed box and choose Pillsy's pick of the day, or you can choose whatever flavor you're feeling, whether it's something extra sweet any flavor that you take, and some of them like salted caramel, for example, you're thinking, man, there's got to be a lot of calories in there. No, not with Built Bar. Built Bar is low calorie, but high in protein. Also, low sugar, but high in fiber. So that's everything you want when it comes to nutrition in a candy bar. Oops, said candy bar because I'm talking salted caramel. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Pillsy, if you were to reach into your mix box that I know you have in your cupboard today, which one are you grabbing for your pick of the day? Well, Ross, you already mentioned it. It's the salted caramel. Let's go with that one today because I love the mix of sweet and salty. Just those those little caramel squares that you can get, the, like a homemade one fresh from a bakery or something with just a little sprinkle of sea salt on top. Oh my God, is that delicious. And if it's in a built Bar, you know it's extra delicious. The salted caramel Here's some stats for you guys. 17 grams of protein. That's your protein pack for the day. Only 130 calories. And I can't even quantify how delicious it is. There's no there's no number. There's no graph. There's no chart. There's no stat to tell you how delicious it is. But 100% guaranteed you will enjoy this. So get a salted caramel flavor built bar today. Go to BuiltBar.com and see all the amazing products available for you. That's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15. That's promo code LOCKED15 at checkout and you'll get, you guessed it, 15% off your next order. 
All right, Pilsy, back into the countdown after the weekend. Before we get into today's countdown, let's take a look at how the fans thought Friday's countdown went. Do you want Brett Harrison, Artyom Grushnikov, Anton Olsen, or Jack Barr? Head over to at Send Central and have your say. Each and every day, we post in the same thread. So this thread is going to be more and more crucial as we get closer to the draft. You can scroll down, quickly find each episode that you get to see the profile of that player. So this one was actually the closest so far, and there's still time to vote, still four days. I said initially, Pilsy, remember I was like, oh, I'll keep them all open right until the draft. Can't do that. The longest is one week. So I'm going to make all these polls one week long and have your say at Send Central. Right now, Jack Barr, 36.2% of the vote. Artem Grushnikov, 35.1%. Which way would you lean out of those two defensemen? I was leaning Jack Barr. That's who I voted for. And I think maybe some of the bias is he's a right shot defenseman with some good size, which uh, always catches your eye. But then you start look like this guy's the pedigree, like playing with the Chicago Steel, stacked, great development spot. And then he's going to Harvard University right after, and he's a solid two-way defender. That's the way I leaned for that poll. Yeah, well, go have your say and reply as well why you're choosing the player you are. I think we might have dumped water on any sort of heat that Anton Olsen was gearing up towards the draft. I went and listened back, and we were a little tough on him. So sorry about that, Anton. I'm sure he will be a good player in the NHL, but just not the type of player I think the Sens need at this moment. Today, though, today's four are unbelievable. I have one guy who's five-star in terms of drafting. And you know what? We don't have to wait long to hear it. At number 55, coming in with an average ranking of 57.3, Tyler Boucher. Does Boucher sound familiar? Of course it does. He's the son of former NHL goalie, now elite broadcaster, Brian Boucher. I believe he has the longest consecutive shutout record, if I'm not mistaken, in NHL history with the air, with the then Phoenix Coyotes back in like 08, 09, He was also in net when Ovechkin scored that corkscrew goal where he fell over and rolled around. But Pilsy, we're talking about his son, Tyler. What kind of game does he bring to the ice? A physical game, Ross. Like that's that's just all you need to know right off the bat. EP says he's the most physical player in this draft. And I love this quote. Every day he wakes up, he chooses violence. And that's the (laughs) kind of guy where he's, and another cliche to throw in there, he's the type of guy you love to have on your team and hate to play against. He excels at separating the man from the puck. He's a power forward that's going to score a lot of goals in front of the net. And when I start reading these quotes, Ross, my head immediately starts thinking, imagine a one-two punch of Brady Kachuk on the left side for your top line and then Tyler Boucher on the right side for your second line. Like defenders and goalies would not get a break. You're trying to clear the crease in front of the net and you've got Brady Kachuk there and then you've got a big Tyler Boucher there as well. Oh, oh, look out. Well, how about having a left side of Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzla, Alex Formanton and, and Tyler Boucher? You don't even have to have him as the second option. And I, I can't believe that you brought up Brady Kachuk because I was about to say Tyler Boucher's profile to me fits as like a poor man's Brady Kachuk. Yep. Like he's not going to bring as much point production, but the same type of guy where he's in every battle after the whistle. And you want to see another parallel? He's committed to Boston University next year. So following in Brady Kachuk's footsteps in that aspect, the two dads who were NHLers. And I looked it up, by the way, Brian Boucher does hold the longest modern-day shutout streak in the NHL history. 
332 minutes, Belzy. That's five and a half games straight without allowing the goal. And I think the most impressive part is that he did it as a member of the Phoenix Coyotes. Not exactly a wagon by any stretch, but Tyler Boucher, you mentioned he wakes up. He chooses violence when he's at his best. He's the type of imposing presence that can be a puck retrieval guy for skilled line mates. That's Scott Wheeler's quote on him. And what that means to me is he's a guy who can play up and down the lineup wherever you need him to play. He's not going to be the best player on a line, but he's going to be a puck retrieval guy, a first guy in on the four check separate player from the puck. And he's the kind of guy who, when the playoffs come around, I believe that he's going to add another aspect to his game. It's unfortunate. He got hurt pretty early on in this season, only managed to play 12 games for the U S national team development program. But in those 12 games made an impact had 11 points and had six goals. So at that level, he can score. And that was reflected in most of the rankings. We always laugh at how much discrepancy there are between the highest and the lowest, but not for Tyler Boucher. It's pretty consistent. Tony Ferrari actually has him the lowest at 80. But if you take out the lowest and the highest, which was Bob McKenzie at 40th overall, hmm, if only the Sens had a couple picks right around 40. Uh, 39, 42, is that uh, close enough? But take those two out, Pelzi, and listen to this. 45, 53, 63, 63, and 57. So th- that's right in the same range of player. But I know that I told you I'm a five-star guy on, on Tyler Boucher. I think that he is the kind of player the Sens draft, the pedigree, the, the type of physicality, the leadership qualities that he brings. How many stars do you give him for the Sens to draft? Yeah, he's right in the sense wheelhouse. I, I give him four stars just because I'm trying to leave that five star for just absolute must draft guys. Like Brent right. Johnson was uh, was a five star guy going to North Dakota, right shot defenseman with a whole lot of skill. So, and that's not a knock on Tyler Boucher. I, I think four stars is still really good for him. And yeah, I just I would be so excited to see this guy uh, as a senator because, like you said, in the playoffs, he's the kind of guy that in a seven game series, the other team would just be so sick of. Like they're tired of dealing with this guy, and I like that he's able to create space for himself in front of the net using that body, similar to Brady Kachuk, right? Like yeah, he makes he's literally it- a poor man's Brady Kachuk. Yep, that's my real estate, and I'm going to work for it, and you're going to have to beat me out of this spot, and you're not going to do it very often. So Tyler Boucher definitely is a guy that's in right in the Sens wheelhouse. So we're praising him, rightfully so, but are you worried that a guy whose skating was already an issue is coming off a major knee surgery? Yeah, that's definitely an issue when when your skating's already poor and now you got some knee troubles, but skating's not the bread and butter of his game, right? So I think that's okay because he you don't need to do much skating when you're boxing out guys in front of the <laughs> net and, and just throwing big hits along the boards and stuff. So I, obviously I would like for that skating to be a little bit better, but he's the kind of guy, and I always talk about this, a perfect line for me has a sniper, a playmaker, and a physical player. He's that physical player. So as long as the sniper and playmaker can kind of pick up the pace a little with uh, with some good skating, he should be all right and he can support those guys on the line. He's a right shot, right winger, but I'm sure he can play left as well. It's all good there. And he's already over 200 pounds too, listed at 205. Uh, yeah, you think he's going to grow up to, you know, 225 or whatnot. A January 16th birthday, so right in the wheelhouse there. And EP mentions there's no player more physical than him in this draft class. So 
then I can look at this either as a positive as we have, or is this going to allow him to be more injury prone throughout his career? We're already seeing him coming off a major injury. Yeah, that's possible. But I mean, young guys, like a major injury, you bounce back real quick, right? And right. I mean, he's from a hockey family. So I'm sure like his nutrition and his his workout routine and his recovery model is pretty, pretty airtight. So I'm not too concerned about that. But it is something to note for sure. He, he did play three games coming back from his injury. And in those games had a goal and assist five penalty minutes, which I'm assuming would be for a fight or a major for something else. And had seven shots on goal. Um, funny nice. enough, the, the one game he didn't have a point, the U.S. team won uh, 9 nothing in that game. So <laughs> funny that uh, he wasn't able to come on. But yeah, played three games in March after not playing at all from November until March 7th. So Tyler Boucher coming in at number 55 on our draft rankings. Pillsy, I have a feeling that he's going to win the poll. But go have your say at Send Central as we move up to number 54 on our list with an average ranking of 55.6. Tristan Bros out of Fargo in the USHL. He's heading to Minnesota next year in the NCAA. What are your thoughts? He's joining Chaz Lucius, a guy we're going to be profiling a little bit later on, but Minnesota, great freshman class coming in, and Bros is a part of it. Absolutely. And Ross, you said, do you think Tyler Boucher might win uh, the poll this time? But since fans have been picking best name available and it'd be Ooh. great to add another bro to the team, you know, Pierre <laughs> Dorian loves his friendship tour. So getting more bros in the system is always good, but let's get to his on ice stuff. He, this guy puts up points like 51 points in 54 games in the USHL last season, which is a decent jump from his rookie season where he had 35 points in 48 games. That's the kind of progression you want to see, right? Like it's not going to jump off the page, but at least, you know, he's improving and he's, he's elevating his game. He also had 11 points in nine playoff games last season. That is incredible. And here's, here's what I like most about bros. He seems like a guy with some untapped potential. I've talked about that with a couple other players and last year there's probably more guys with the untapped potential label than ever before because he just didn't have the opportunity to develop and play hockey for most of these guys. So EP says he's a little bit better than average in all areas, which I like to see, you know, you're not going to worry about him too much in one spot, but he's also not going to light the lamp in other spots as well, which usually I try to look for a quality that puts him ahead of everyone. But when you're that good at everything, I feel like that's a quality in itself, right? Like being a little bit better than average at all aspects of the game really shows that you've got a strong base and you can be a good prospect. Like, and the thing that interests me the most about Tristan bros is everyone was talking about his ability to create offense without the puck on his stick. Now that's such a weird thing to say about a guy who uh -huh. puts up big points and is a prospect. Yeah. Ross, you're like, what does that mean? Well, he does it through being physical. So he's going to create space for his teammates by moving players out of the way and playing the body. And that's going to create space for the guys with the puck. And that in turn creates offense. He's constantly moving around. Like when they're cycling the puck, he's not just hanging out, beaver tailing his stick, like, Hey, pass it, pass it. He's moving around so that the defenseman that's covering him has to follow him. And again, that creates space and gives offense and his high hockey IQ allows him to read the play ahead of time, which if you're one, one step ahead of the competition, that's going to make things easier for your line mates. So I, I really like that. That's something that all scouts are kind of pointing out that without the puck, 
this guy's incredible because most young guys in junior, they're obsessed with the puck. That's how you create offense. Give me the puck. I'll stick handle through nine guys and score a highlight real goal and I'll get drafted in the first round. Not everybody has that attitude. And for bros to play a little different, I like that. He's one of the oldest players in the draft. So this year was almost extra in his development. And in a year where many guys only played a handful of games in the USHL, he played 54 plus playoffs. So that's a, a little bit of an advantage there. There's a lot of skill at his disposal as you dove into And This one paragraph from EP Draft Guide stuck out. Bros is a player with an attacking mentality. He's like a shark sniffing out blood in the water when he's off the puck in the offensive zone, either circling the perimeter, waiting for soft ice to open, or charging headlong to the net front as a low to high passing play develops. So he can read plays really well. High hockey IQ. Now, Elite Prospects is higher on him than anybody else. So take it maybe with a bit of a grain of salt because as he's good at finding these soft areas, it's even more important because, and we're saying this a lot at this juncture of our rankings, but the skating is by far the weakest part of his game. Yeah, his skating is definitely the most difficult uh, part of his game that he's going to need to work on. So he's going to need to be with some good line mates. But I, I really like Bros Ross. Like I gave him four stars. I feel like he has he's given me Zach Hyman vibes, you know, like Zach Hyman. It's not like he's an amazing skater. It's not like he has an amazing shot. It's not like he he's an amazing passer, but he's just a little bit better than average at everything. And that allows him to be a five tool guy that if you put him with a sniper like Matthews, He's going to set that guy up all day long. He's going to go into the boards and do the dirty work. He's going to uh, strip pucks off unsuspecting players. Like he's going to be able to do all the little things that players with uh, bigger, better attributes in other areas don't have to focus on and they can cheat on offense because they got a guy like bros who can cover up for them. All right. Before we move on, what are your star rankings telling you for him? I give him four stars. I like him. And I, I really think that the Sens need to start looking at guys who have that untapped potential mark on them. So for me, Bros is a guy that I would definitely be interested in. Yeah, coming to the University of Minnesota, I'd say he's probably going to be there for two years before turning pro. And then as long as the skating improves, he could, I think, develop into a third line scoring type winger who can play on your second power play unit, EP 31st. On their rankings, Scott Wheeler at 45th, Bob McKenzie at 50. We got Scouching at 49. And then others aren't so uh, fond of him, right? McKean's at 61, Tony Ferrari at 66, and Corey Pronman all the way down at 87 on his ranking. So safe to say if the Sens and other teams see him more in the vein of Corey Pronman, I think he'd be a five-star pick at 74, but I wouldn't really reach up and take him with one of those second round picks. Yeah, that's where it's tough when you got to decide. And and it's nice that the Sens have 39 and 42, but also kind of tough for us because it really closes that window of how, how much prospects you can be looking at there. But for me, Ross, I feel like we've seen this a couple of times with Corey Pronman. He's either way high on a guy or way low compared to other people. And I, I haven't uh, di- dove into his prospect rankings as much as some other guys. So I need to take some time to do that, but it's just funny how he he's had some real risers and fallers. Whereas the other guys I feel like are fairly cr- close, like within, within 10 or 15 numbers of prospect rankings of the other guys, but he's like, he's, he's way up and down, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, left shot just in bar- bros, and he played center, but I think that he projects more as a winger once he gets 
to the National Hockey League record. We've got all four forwards today, and we'll get to our next two after we tell you about our best friends when it comes to online wagering. It's Bet Online, the sportsbook experts, and what we love most about them is because we've developed this relationship, they are giving you one of the best welcome bonuses in the industry. When you sign up for an account at Bet Online, put in the promo code LOCKED on and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. It's the one place that has you covered. The one place that we trust, it's Bet Online. So, once you add that deposit, if you put in $200, bingo bango bongo, $100 will automatically appear in your account. You put in $150, bang, right there. What are you going to do with that money? Cuz you got to win it to earn it. You're not just going to get the welcome bonus and then be on your way. No, it's all about multiplication. And that's where Pillsy's pick of the day comes in, parlay of the day, excuse me. And today it's interesting because you've been riding the Montreal Canadiens more than anybody I've ever seen, especially on a Sens podcast, is tonight the night that you succumb to the lightning. Tonight is not the night I succumb to the lightning, Ross. I... Look, I said it at the start of the show. I just, it's so damn depressing to have the idea of a series sweep in the Stanley Cup final. So there's no better time for the Habs to win their one game. Now, do it. Am I still on the train that I think the Habs are going to win in seven? Absolutely not. I'm not even that confident that they can win tonight. But if they are going to win one game in this series, it has to be game four. It's in Montreal. You, you don't want Tampa to lift the cup in your city. Like, Ross, what's going to happen to the city of Montreal if Tampa wins the cup in a series sweep in Montreal? Like, uh, I don't even know. Like, there's the fire department's going to have to be ready, uh, ready to strike at any given moment. Ambulances are going to have to be ready. They're going to have to grease up uh, telephone poles and stuff like that so people aren't climbing. There better not be any cop cars just parked silently on the street. Those are getting flipped and burned. So, I'm just hoping for everyone's sake and hockey fans sake and people in Montreal that the Habs can win this one. So, but the odds aren't as good as you would think Ross, like money line plus plus one forty-two. I would have liked a little higher odds there, but I'm sticking to sticking to my guns. And I really think the Habs need to win this for their own pride's sake. So I'm taking Habs money line and I'm taking the over of five. I think this is going to be a back and forth game. It's going to be lots of goals being scored because both teams know what's on the line here. Well, Josh Anderson doesn't actually, I should say. There's (laughs) nothing to lose in his mind, which is crazy to think he would ever say that. But so I'm taking the over at minus 130. So Pillsy's playoff parlay of the day could be the final playoff parlay of the day, but hopefully not is Montreal Canadiens money line and the over at five. Put 10 bucks in. You're going to win $32.82. Let's have this series go on a little longer. I love me some Stanley Cup final hockey. So let's have at least one more game. That's all I'm hoping for, Ross. You think the over is going to hit twice in a row in a series with Carey Price and Andre Vasilevsky. That's bold. And bold is the name of the game at Bet Online. So go there right now. Stay in the action. Don't forget the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. All right, Pillsy, back to the Send Central draft rankings we go. We're at number 53, coming in with an average ranking of 55.4. It's Samu Salmanen from the Jokerit U20 program, and he was also the captain 
of Team Finland at the World Under 18. Yep, Samu Salmanen, and this guy's been in the Jokerit system since 2017, Raw, so he's very familiar with them. They're very familiar with him. He's committed to the University of Denver for 2022-2023 season. What a great school to be heading to, so I like that right off the bat. You mentioned he was in the U20 league. He had 26 points in 21 games there, so this guy, he's dominating at his level, that's for sure. The one thing you need to know about Salmanen, an elite shot. Try to find some highlights. It's trickier these years to find the highlights of guys on YouTube, but try to find some highlights of him. He can just rip it. Like he's one of those guys that has a hard shot and can just beat goalies clean. Like a goalie can see it all the way. He doesn't have to change the angle and that shot's just going to beat him straight up. He's going to be a killer on a power play unit one day. And when you got a frame six foot three, 190 pounds at this age, that allows you to protect the puck when you're bringing it up ice or when you're just cycling down low. But when you're protecting the puck a little too much, that can be an issue. And EP says that sometimes he tries to stick handle too much and he loses control. So for for a shooter to like to hold the puck that much, that that raised a couple of alarms for me, Ross, because usually a shooter, like it's on your stick and off your stick as soon as you get a chance. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out for him. I like what Wheeler starts his bio on Salmon and with and, I was enamored by the size as well. And the size and shot, that duo is pretty lethal. But here's how he starts. Quote, here's the thing about Samu Salmanen. He's got one of the best shots in the draft. Here's the other thing about him. He's an awkward, clumsy skater through his forward pushes. And the juxtaposition between those things can be difficult because the list of natural goal scorers at lower levels who don't pan out because of skating is a long list. But he still has him ranked 29th because he says the more he watches him, the more he, he's convinced that with the right development, he'll be fine. So how important is that for him to play one more year overseas and then be committed? So because he's playing overseas, I believe he gets an extra year of his rights with the organization. So if he goes to school for three years after leaving Yokerit, even though that's a year after his draft, they'll still hold his rights. So having that extra year could be big in a guy who has raw tools but there's a lot of, you know, molding to be done with how he plays the game. Yeah, definitely. And I think of of all the kind of poor skating reviews, which we see quite a lot with guys in this range and young prospects, his were the most harsh, A eh, Ross. Like it really seemed like it's not like it's not like they were saying he's just an average skater, is a little bit below average. Like they're saying he's a bad skater. Like he has yeah. a lot of work to do there. So that can be an issue. But but sometimes guys figure it out and you you don't have to rely on your skating. You just have to be smarter hockey IQ. You have to know when to make your strides, where to position yourself to get open for that big shot to have uh, have an effect. So I, I like Samu Salmanen, but here's what I came to a conclusion of, Ross. The Senators already have a Samu Salmanen. Igor yeah, Sokolov, a okay. guy who whose skating is definitely Copy. has some work, but... His shot, a hard shot that can beat goalies cleanly. So for me, I don't think you need two guys in that in that sort of range and that sort of uh, attributes and skill set. And we love our guy, Igor. So for me, I gave him three stars because I really feel like Sokolov is, is this guy and he's going to be ready before him. Tons of leadership for Solomon in as well. Not only was he the captain, as I mentioned, at the World Under-18s, where he scored seven goals in seven games on North American ice. So sometimes that choppy skating... It's a bit more egregious when you see it over on the large ice surface overseas. So 
when he played there, seven goals, seven games is pretty good. He also won the scoring title for the U20 Finnish League with uh, with Joe Crip, but I, I'm not sure he would have scored on Marilina, and I, I don't cannot confirm or deny, but he wore an A with that team as well. So he's a guy who's known to wear a letter, and I like that. There's a calculated skill within his game. We keep talking about his shot, and rightfully so, but this is a guy who had more assists than goals as well. So he can play make and get in the open area. I feel like much like Tristan Bros, he's very good at sensing where the soft coverage is in the offensive zone and taking advantage of it. Now, what he needs to work on, we mentioned skating, but that will really help round out his two-way game and be a little better on the back check and that sort of thing. So that all comes with time. This is a very raw prospect. And I think an NHL team is going to see that and say, I can create this guy into a top six NHL forward. Yeah, especially with like what you're saying, if he gets that uh, kind of extra runway of uh, rights being held by a team, then you're like, okay, this is a raw prospect, but we're going to have him in our system a little longer than usual. So we, we can deal with that for sure. And I, I don't know about you, Ross, but I'm getting major vibes of this guy shifting from center to the wing as he gets to upper competitions. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, unless he can fix the skating. But again, he's going to the NCHC. We know how good that league can be in college hockey. And he's not a name you're going to hear in the NHL until I'd say at least 2026. All right. Like that's a long way away. But this guy does have the runway. I would expect him to play a big role with Finland at the World Juniors next year. And we'll we'll see. We'll see what the skating looks like then. But I'll, I'll stick with you. I'll say three stars as well. And this one, again, like Wheeler at 29, but McKean's at 98. Like, that's a bit of a range. No. And then in between, you have Promen at 39, Ferrari at 43, EP Draft Guide at 44, Scouching at 63, Bob McKenzie down at 72nd on his list. So that's Samu Salmanen coming in at 53 on our draft rankings as we move to our final profile for today coming in at number 52 with an average ranking of 55.3 Wyatt Johnston with the Windsor Spitfires one of the rare players who just didn't play anywhere this year outside of his gold medal with Canada at the world under 18s had four points in seven games there Pilsy what's your 4-1-1 on the center from the Spitfires yeah, he's very similar to Tristan Bros. Like Wheeler describes him as a jack of all trades player that uh, molds his game to his teammates. So he loved to see that and excels in the faceoff dot. Again, you love to see that. So he'll be a center, you think, projection wise? I th- I think so. Like obviously, that's usually a good thing. But uh, some some of the uh, entities we use, I think EP and McKean said they figure he might go to the wing just so that he can be more of a supportive player rather than kind of the guy that drives the line. And yeah, similar to Bros, his tools are all a bit better than average, and he can improve. And especially, you need to consider he missed a whole year of OHL hockey. Like he's he's with the Windsor Spitfire, so he missed an entire season of hockey. I feel so bad for all those kids that were in that situation. But you need to consider that that there's a bit of untapped potential there as well. Now, McKean's hockey describes him as more of a pass first center, which you guys know I like my shoot first center. So for me, that's that's a bit of a knock in my list just as a personal bias. He's not a guy who's going to be able to score with a shot off the rush that beats a goalie cleanly, but he's got a high hockey IQ and a couple McKean's does a good job of showing clips with their descriptions. So to kind of back up what they're trying to describe to you. And they showed a couple of clips where 
the opponents are trying to bring the puck up ice when the puck transitions in the ozone. And then the opponents are trying to bring it up ice the other way. And he'll just sneak up behind them and steal it. And then he starts creating offense in the ozone once again. So I like his ability to do that. But I think when you're looking at two guys like him and bros, uh, two jack of all trades guys, I like bros better. So that's where I would say you can pass on a guy like Johnson and take a guy like bros instead. More offensive upside, I think, for bros than Wyatt Johnston. And that's not saying much of a negative on, on Johnson. EP Rinkside mentions it's all the details in his game. Supporting the puck, working give-and-goes, making well-timed movements into space. I think he's going to play NHL games. And he's represented Canada now twice, at, uh, at the U-17s and U-18s. His last year with the Windsor Spitfire, so his rookie season, had 30 points in 53 games as well. Like That's pretty good numbers. So... It's so hard to gauge his game when he hasn't played outside of seven game stretch on a stack team Canada. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. He's a guy who we're going to have to watch more next year and, and make more of a concrete decision. But from what the scouts are saying, who have watched him play over years and years and years, I think that there is absolutely NHL upside. It's like a third line guy, maybe he just plays on the fourth line, but who can kill penalties and, not be a liability when he's out on the ice. Out of the four we're covering today, I'd say he's probably the best skater. Would you agree to about that? It, it seemed like there wasn't a whole lot of knocks on his skating. That was a bit of a negative for him. But I mean, I feel like every single prospect. Like, the other ones, it's like. It's real bad. Yeah. But how many prospects, Ross, have we had that skating is a good attribute? Like maybe a handful of couple of defensemen who have good mobility. Mm. But other than that. It's very rare. So I don't try to knock too hard on guys because I feel like all scouts, especially EP has like, they, they have like skating to a science. Like they're talking about, he bends his knees at a 80 degree angle and like all this kind of stuff. So they have an exact image of what they feel a skater should be like. And I feel like a lot of these young skaters are still working on their own stride and maybe not living up to EP's perfect definition of what a skating stride should look like. So I try to not give it too much of a knock on guys like that, but for me, Wyatt Johnson's getting three out of five stars of draftability for the Sens. Again, it's not a knock on him. I just like certain guys better, and I think the team that does draft him is going to be happy with him. Here's what Pronman says, and by the way, Pronman has him ranked higher than anybody else Locker. at 20th overall. Nobody else has the him. first round. Oh, my goodness. Nobody else has him 52nd or better. So you're right. Pronman is just the joker here when it comes to his rankings, but he's been right a lot in the past before too. So you, you got to respect his opinion as well. And he mentions his, he's got above average compete, average hockey sense, average puck skills, below average skating. This quote though, stands out to me. Johnson can create chances under pressure and has the ability to run a power play off the flank. He isn't a perimeter player though. He attacks the hard areas of the ice, showing good second efforts, going for loose pucks and is a responsible defensive center. He's legitimately grown as well in the past season, going from 5'11 to 6'1. Lacks NHL quickness. In a sentence, he projects as a second-line center. That, I think, is a little bit high, as we just said, kind of third, fourth. But you see the tools there that he has, the high compete level and all that. So for me, I'd give him 2.5 stars. This, I think it's our first decimal stars. But again, and it's our first player where it's one of our first players, Artem Grushnikov on Friday as well, who just haven't played so i don't know how much we can really look into it especially when he's added so much to his frame during that time 
Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like we we can only dive into so much, and uh, we really rely on the scouts and reporters for guys like this, right? Like it's again, I feel so bad for all the OHL kids that uh, this this is their year. Like this for a lot of uh, guys that make it to the NHL, the year before the draft is the most pivotal year of their career. It sets up how your reputation is viewed along the league. It sets up your first stepping stone of where your base is at. And these guys aren't getting a chance to show what they got. So for me, I I have high hopes for Wyatt Johnston, but I don't know if I'm convinced and I've seen enough to say that he's a guy I want to draft. So to recap today's countdown at 55, Tyler Boucher at 54, Tristan Bros at number 53, Samu Salmanen, and at number 52, Wyatt Johnson. For Wyatt Johnston, here are the other rankings. I mentioned Promen at 20, McKenzie at 52, Wheeler at 55, McKean's at 55, EP Draft Guy at 54, Ferrari at 73, and Scouching down at 78. So go to AdSense Central. We'll have the poll out later today, and it'll be up for a week. So you'll be able to have your say and see who you would most like the Ottawa Senators to draft uh, some sad news before we go. And this came out during the show uh, while we were recording, but man, it, it's tough news. Uh, Matis Kivlenix, uh goalie for the Columbus Blue Jackets, most recently the starting goalie for team Latvia at the world championships has passed away at the age of 24. And now uh, news coming out about the reasons Michigan police telling uh, AP Associated Press and the athletic as well that he was attempting to flee a hot tub with others after a firework malfunction last night during the 4th of July, slipped and hit his head on concrete and was pronounced dead on the scene. He was 24 years old, Pilsy. Uh, Just awful, awful news for a a young goalie with a bright future. Yeah, I'm gutted by this news. I mean, 24 years old and from a freak accident like that, it just just goes to show you like how fragile life is like it, it can happen in an instant and in a in a situation where obviously it seemed like there was chaos and commotion going on so just gutted for his friends and family the Columbus Blue Jackets organization like this was a guy that had a lot of potential we saw it in Latvia at the world championship he did a pretty good job Shut out of, Canada yeah that's that's one hell of an achievement to put on your resume especially on a Latvian team so that, that's tough, and uh, we're wishing all the best for his family and friends and uh, for his teammates, too. Like, that's got to be a big deal. So just all you can do is uh, you got to stay safe out there, guys. So definitely sad news to hear. Awful, awful news. I'll, I'll echo your sentiments. We're thinking about the Columbus Blue Jackets family today. We're, we're thinking about Matisse, Kiv Lennox family as well. And, uh, man, that is, that is just awful news uh, to end the show on today. But... Tomorrow, so it's a new day, and, and we'll have uh, our draft rankings continue. We'll be into the 40s, which we're getting closer and closer to where the Sens have two second-round picks at 39 and 42 coming up. So enjoy the hockey game tonight. Uh, there's a bit of a shadow now with the unfortunate news uh, in the hockey world. and that, I mean, that's the thing about the hockey world. It's such a, a tight-knit community, and uh, you know that everyone will be there to support the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Kiv Lennox family uh, through this difficult time. So uh, have a great day, everyone. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.